When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. This is your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the eighth episode of Is This Real Life? I am recording this from Amsterdam in the Netherlands, where I am for a work trip. But last week, I had some fun having a girls' weekend in Naples, Italy, with my friends Angela, Francesca, and Fanny, all of whom watch reality TV. So as you can imagine, we had a very juicy discussion. What's interesting is that Angela, Francesca, and Fanny are all from different countries, and as many of you know from watching the Winter Games, The Bachelor is on in other countries. So we talked about the differences in reality TV from country to country, and even I got schooled about some reality television going on in Italy. The conversation was absolutely hilarious. We definitely talked a lot about Ari and his season, but had some laughs as well. So please listen in for some definite lulls and hear some thoughts on reality TV from people in Canada, France, and Italy. Hi, everyone. I am in Naples, Italy, visiting my friend Angela, and here with other friends Fanny and Francesca, All of us are fans of reality TV, including The Bachelor, as well as some international reality TV. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So yesterday night, um, a few of us watched The Bachelor Winter Games, which, as you know, had contestants from The Bachelor series in different countries, including Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, Canada, the United States, and Japan. Were there any other countries? Ah, Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Slash Switzerland. Oh, really? Yeah. Is he Swedish? Oh, yeah, Swiss yeah, Swiss yeah. He was, uh, don't remember. He had an appointment in the Switzerland jacuzzi. It's like Gunther. He, he was actually on The Bachelor in Germany, and then he was actually The Bachelor in Switzerland. Oh, no Yeah, way. yeah he did both. 
shows. Oh my gosh. Um, so that one was, thing you didn't know, Mandy. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot I don't know about, especially international bachelor, but I was such a fan of that scene. I know it was ser- terrible for Claire, but I could not get enough of her and Christian arguing over the date in the jacuzzi. You did quite a good impression yesterday, Angela, <laughs> if you're interested in doing a rendition. When you make a date in the jacuzzi, it is a date. It is an appointment <laughs> in Germany. It is a date in the jacuzzi. <laughs> so I can't believe that Claire didn't end up with him. <laughs> After he told oh, her, he gosh. yelled at her for not being in the jacuzzi at the right time and then told her that she was very pretty but nothing else. So, that's that's the end right there. <laughs> that's the the tragedy of like a hot looking guy with such a bad accent and such a bad attitude. Like he totally ruined it for me. Like, he ruined it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, who oh yeah. is your favorite guy on the Winter Games? Do I have to have a favorite? No, you can have a least favorite. <laughs> yeah, Josiah. I think he's my least favorite. Oh yeah, he... he's just like childish. Yeah, but. My favorite? Yeah, no, I don't think I have a what favorite. What about a favorite woman? Maybe Bibiana? Yeah, Bibiana's pretty cool. Puerto Rican chick from Miami. <laughs> yeah. Bibiana is like a, a, a seaside station in Italy. Like, <laughs> like to be like my name Miami. Yeah, like you have just to be a child of Kim Kardashian. It is like less fancy yeah like Bibiana like Nizza I think my favorite girl is Stassi Stassi I like her a lot yes she's super classy and really nice and her real name is Nastasia just like Nastasia Bianca Schroeder from Vanderpump Rules who I am naming my dog after whom none of these three ladies have have watched therefore they have not truly lived But also, Fanny and Francesca, I believe you watch The Bachelor uh, franchise, but in other countries. What is your favorite Bachelor franchise? Mine is Bachelor Australia. Okay, why? Just because it's so much more genuine and has much less drama. And I think it's maybe much closer to my culture in a way. Because in America, I feel it like so much drama and it's... It's kind of almost like so fake, even though I, I enjoy watching it in Australia. I feel like people are much more genuine. They're there for the right reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you've watched, um, what about you, Francesca? Have you watched any of The Bachelor of any season? Actually, I'm, I'm trying to, to have a job. <laughs> Because the bachelor in Italy is every day. It's in the every af- day? Every day in the afternoon since uh, I think uh, like uh, 10, 20 years ago. And is it Italian people? Italian people, yes. It's named women and donne, men and women. <laughs> and now there is also the um, <clears throat> granny version. So with old people. <laughs> oh Wait, I need to see this. Do they have uh, English subtitles? I don't know. You could translate for me like you did when we were at the opera house today. We went to the oldest opera house in the entire world in Naples, Italy. And the entire tour was in Italian, which uh, neither Fanny nor I speak. 
So Francesca kindly whispered the <laughs> translation. She translated louder than the person giving the tour. It was a part of the Italian culture class. You know, you speak very loud with the hand and sounds. So it was like an anthropologic approach of the issue. So... I have a few questions for Fanny and Angela, who've been watching Ari season of The Bachelor. Thoughts on Ari? He is politically insecure. correct. Yes, very politi- <laughs> oh. I have to make it politically correct. I think he's an insecure person. I think he needs a lot of validation from the girls. And I also think he doesn't like women who... I don't know, maybe um, don't make him feel like he's enough, like whether he's like smart enough or worldly enough like Sien or something. So I feel like he kind of chooses the women he wants to date based on who makes him feel like the bigger man. Yeah. And it doesn't really challenge him in any kind of way. So I feel like there's like this like real insecurity inside of him. I also feel like he's a little bit shallow. Like, he's a really lot shallow any, yeah like, depth but maybe him. they it don't show nice it and rational but in a lot of times. they haven't no, like, showed depth. yeah that's my issue though like i like to watch reality tv i don't really like to admit it but still i like when people who are on it are like at least a little bit smart and like not to to blame it on him but like he's not very articulate and the way he rejected some of the women was not very do you have any examples no but most (laughs) of them it wasn't very nice and it wasn't very like i mean at least when you get rejected you want to have like some nice like not even polite but like very honest uh, response and he was just very like like it didn't seem like he had like an explanation he it doesn't even seem like he's there for the right reasons Ooh. Ooh. I think he just wants some more air she's time. a little bit judgmental <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite bachelor or bachelorette cast member of all time that is a really, really hard one. I feel like it's always so much easier to come up with like the least ones. You oh like, yeah, who do you who do you dislike well. the most? You weren't a fan of Corinne. You didn't want America to no, Corinne again. No, because I don't like like I don't like drama. I don't like people who yeah. are like so overly like showing off on TV. I just don't think like if you would watch like The Bachelor in Australia or in other countries, like it's so much adapt to other culture, and then it's really funny to see that like people are actually generally looking for love, and it doesn't have to be like just there to become a social media influencer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for instance. I think Caitlin and Sean are like my favorites too. together. I love, love them. them so much. I think my least favorites, we kind of talked about them last night, like the worst bachelors, like Jake Pavelka, just he like a so narcissistic, bad. crazy, abusive personality. Mm. And who was the other one who we talked about? Juan Pablo. Oh gosh, Juan Pablo. <laughs> Yeah. And Ari. Now he's in the... I don't think the, Ari's anywhere oh, near yeah, as bad, but we have to see how this season pans out and if he ends up ruining some people. I do have some questions for you, yeah. Francesca, but you have to get a little closer to the mic. So you were telling me about um, a TV show called Temptation Island yeah. that takes place in Italy. Could you explain that? After Temptation Island, there is two islands. <laughs> 
<laughs> one with this couple, no? And the couple did share. So the man is in one island and the women are in another island. And in, uh, in, the, um, in the island of the man, there is a temptation girl. So they have to try to, you know, temptate her. Like try and date her. Yeah. And the same also for the women. There'll be a guy that goes to the girl's island. Yeah, and okay. and the girls to the men. Island. Yeah, but only one at a time. No, no, all together with the temptation girl. Wait, so, so then they bring them. So they bring a couple. Like they share the couples. Oh, they're all. They have to test their <gasps> relationship. Oh my gosh! To yeah. see if they'll cheat. And so they go to yeah. yeah. I did so for not like twenty understand. days, and they like they put like the hottest people on earth. And these people, like, so obviously, like, in The Bachelor, like, they throw a lot of alcohol at them. And then, like, these girls are, like, stripper, like, they're, like, really hot <laughs> And usually, like, the women, they're, like, okay, most of the time they don't really cheat, right? But the man yeah. is, like, <laughs> it's like no. they yeah, do it's not like, very it's Catholic 10 days. Things. They do not very Catholic. Things. I think it's like it's like aired over ten weeks, but it's basically just ten days. And at the end, usually, and then at the end, it's like a colenta or like whatever these kind no, of like for weird someone shows. that don't like reality, and they have these, you know, quite well. <laughs> yeah, that was back in the days because it was one of my favorite shows. And then at the end, they they come over like the bonfire and they have to either yeah. like go away together or like decide to separate because okay. then... Just like Bachelor in Paradise, you have to leave together. No, because then separate. they show the woman pictures <gasps> and videos of what yeah. the guy does with the other girl. Oh, yeah. Or the girl the best. do with the guy, oh, the other guys. my gosh. There is also another reality show with naked people. <laughs> On an island. Naked and afraid. <laughs> yeah. They are naked. There is like a girl with two men and they stay naked in an island. And at the end, is the girl has to decide, no, have to decide who will she, she prefer from the two men. And at the end, the, 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 the man that she choose, he have to choose her. But they say naked in an island. <laughs> What's this called? Italy? Is this in Italy? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the name, but it's uh, like in a sort of like a channel, like secondary channel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tired. I want to go to bed. You have to have cable and stuff to watch. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really, really wonderful. And I'm glad we got to bring some international... Uh, views to is this real life we've got myself the american angela who's from canada fanny from france and francesca from italy thank you so much so this week was a double header for the bachelor with the women tell all on sunday night and the fantasy suite dates on monday So that was a lot to catch up on while traveling, but hey, no rest for the weary, right? So I really loved the Women Tell All, and mainly because we finally got to see a different side of Ari. He completed full sentences, he was slightly articulate, and dare I say, a little sassy. Before it even aired, he tweeted, Bachelor in Paradise auditions? Wait, I mean women tell all. Tune in tonight. Good old-fashioned drama. And in his hashtag, he had Crystal. 
who got a lot of attention. So Carolyn called her out. Do you remember Carolyn? Because I don't. Ari had some choice words for Carolyn on Twitter, who he accused of going after him just to secure a spot on Paradise. And hey, girl, you do what you got to do. So Carolyn called Crystal a sociopath, said that Crystal called the women on the show the C word. See you next Tuesday, which is just gross. I don't know. Why would she do that? Turns out she was saying a lot, actually, that wasn't shown on the show, including calling Ari a needle dick. Has anyone ever heard that term before? Because I haven't. And I'm just wondering, where was this Carolyn during the show? Other people who ended up in the hot seat included Cien, who's just the epitome of class, at least according to Ari, but I would agree. I would really want to see her on Bachelor in Paradise. She is beautiful and smart and deserves to find love, and I want to see just more of what she has to say. Chris Harrison had an interesting question for her, asked about if, you know, men are intimidated by her because she's so smart and worldly. And that was really interesting to me because, number one, women should not be intimidating because they are smart and beautiful. You should want to talk to them. Being intimidating is like when you're mean and scary. And I just think that the qualities of CN are something that all men should aspire to. They should all want to be with a woman like her. And so the idea that, you know, being smart and worldly, quote unquote, go hand in hand with being intimidating kind of pissed me off. But then again, what do I know? So she basically said, you know, going to school and traveling the world like should be an added bonus for being with me. It shouldn't make me scary. And bravo to you, Cien. I hope to see you on Paradise. But maybe even more than that, I really want you to find a real guy. So maybe stay off reality TV and meet someone in a bookstore. Then we have Babysitter's Club Becca. Maybe she's 23 yet, but I don't think so. She finds it really unfair that her age was put into question. Um, And, you know, everyone was asking, is she really ready for marriage? particularly by Tia, who she thought was her friend. She apparently, in a conversation with a lot of the women, you know, asked them if there was anyone at home they'd consider dating. And Tia found this very offensive because at that point during the season, she was all in for Ari and could not imagine dating anyone else. So that's why she got so upset with Becca and felt the need to tell Ari, hey, I don't think Becca is ready for marriage. I'm not sure she's here for the right reasons. Now, she didn't convey this very well, and she didn't really apologize for stabbing her friend, Becca, in the back, because it seems like Becca and Tia were thick as thieves before this moment, and according to Becca, everything changed on their two-on-one date. Another thing that happened is Becca cleared the air on the missing persons report. So it wasn't that she went on The Bachelor and went missing. After The Bachelor, her and some friends went camping on a marijuana farm, and she spent six days without any cell phone reception. Prior to going to the said farm, she told her parents she would check in with them while she was there, but because she didn't have any cell service, she never called them. So they hadn't heard from her in six days and finally went to the sheriff's office to file a missing persons report. Now, on that seventh day, 
Becca drove to get cell phone reception and called her parents. I cannot even believe the story. It is so ridiculous. If you say that you're going to call your parents, and you're 22, I'm sure they're worried about you, you know, call them. If you're camping, then just drive however long you need to drive to get cell phone reception. It's not that hard. Then say, hey, where I'm staying doesn't have cell phone reception, so I'm going to be off the grid for a little bit. I will call you back on and then call them back on that day. Oh, Becca, if you can't even check in with your family members, how the hell are you going to deal with the marriage? Although, I get the feeling that Ari's gone off the grid a few times with some women uh, who would definitely like to consider him a missing person. So then we have Tia, who says that she's upset that she reverted back to not feeling good enough or thinking she was the one making mistakes in the relationship and is just wondering what went wrong. But if she can't tell what went wrong by watching the show back, then I don't know if there's hope for her because she fell too hard, too fast, and took things too seriously. Now, I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing, but I'd like to think I wouldn't do the same thing. And I certainly wouldn't do the number one thing that no one on the show should do, which is waste your time with The Bachelor talking about another woman in the house. It's just not worth it. She says that the night of the rose ceremony after hometowns that Ari didn't make eye contact with her, so she knew something was wrong. But then she says she was blindsided when she wasn't chosen. If he wasn't making eye contact with you, that's for a reason. And looking back, doesn't she see that the other relationships that Ari has are so much stronger with the other women? Anyways, she said the whole experience allowed her to see what she really is open, that she's open to the chance to fall in love again. So then Ari comes in the hot seat. And the beginning of it is like Jacqueline, who was the lovely woman from New York who planned a PhD, said that she felt that Ari was getting some unfair flack for not supporting her to do a PhD program and making it seem like an obstacle. And that that wasn't the situation at all. And, you know, Ari, it did scare him a bit because he just wanted to get married and have children so badly. And the PhD might be an obstacle to that. Well, things are only an obstacle if you let them be an obstacle. I think something like education shouldn't be looked at as an obstacle. I found that absolutely ridiculous. And I think that Ari deserves all the flack he gets for being afraid of women who are smarter than him. And let me tell you, most women are smarter than him. So then he gets, we get into the juice where Carolyn, rising from the dead, don't even remember her on the show, just lays into them. She said, you said you were looking for a wife and I know what you did and I don't know how you could do that. And then as soon as he <laughs> tries, she's like, I just really don't understand, but I hope you found what you're looking for. And Ari tries to respond and is like, it'll play out in the weeks to come. And she says, you don't need to answer me, but I needed to say it. So it sounds like whoever he wronged, and I'm sure he has wronged one of these women, it sounds like they were very close friends with Carolyn. Then we have the Ari slash Crystal exchange. So 
Ari is talking to Crystal and Crystal is seated with all of the women, but she asks Chris Harrison if she can go up on the stage to sit on the couch to speak directly with Ari. And you can tell everyone has had it with Crystal. But she tells him that his goodbye to her on the two-on-one date with Kendall was cold. And he replies that knowing what he knows now, watching the show back, he thought that his goodbye was appropriate. Burn. And he followed it up by saying, you know, it sucks to see how you actually were to compare how you were with me. The comments that you made were hurtful, and it felt that maybe I dragged this on longer than it should have. And he said, you know, and she said, well, you spent a majority of your time with the other girls. And he's like, this is The Bachelor. So by the end of the exchange between Crystal and Ari, everyone has had it with her. Chris Harrison does not want her on that couch anymore. He wants to continue talking to Ari and previewing what's going to happen the following night when there are three one-on-one dates with fantasy suites. So let's get into that. So it starts off in Ica, Peru, where Kendall is a bit anxious about going into her date because she's not sure if she's ready for marriage at the end of this. They go dune bugging, and Ari makes the quintessential comment that, you know, it's just like a relationship with ups and downs. It seems like they're having a lot of fun, but, you know, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's only fun and that they don't really connect at a deeper level, but... Despite all of that, she tells him that she really likes him and feels like he's her best friend and that she's falling for him. And he responds by saying he's falling for her too. What the hell is this guy doing leading all of these women on? Is he falling in love with everyone? I wonder if he went on a date with one of the alpacas in Peru, if he would end up professing his love to that alpaca at the end of it. This is nuts. So he spends the night with her. They stay in the fantasy suite. They seem to have a lot of conversations and feel much closer in the morning. But, you know, while it seems like she's getting there, it just doesn't seem like she's as close as the other women are towards wanting to be married. And let me tell you, these other women want to be married and they want to be married to Ari. Both Lauren and Becca seem like they are head over heels in love with Ari and not just in love with love. And there's definitely a difference. So on the date with Lauren, she tells him that, you know, the longer that this goes on, the stronger her feelings become and the stronger her feelings become, the more she feels she has to lose. And she's right. She says she's contemplated walking away, but Ari spends all of this time trying to reassure her and he tells her that he loves her, which he has already said, you know, I'm falling for you on their date in Tuscany, but saying I love you is a really strong thing to say. And Ari seems to tell a lot of women, I love you. And I wonder if he's doing that to get their guard down and get them in the fantasy suite. But maybe he really does love them. But they do, when they hear him say those words, I love you, they think, wow, I bet he hasn't said this to anyone else. Because surely he watched Ben's season and watched all of the crap that unraveled when Ben told two different women that he loved them. So he wouldn't be stupid enough to do that again. Oh, oh, but he is. And he doesn't just tell two women, he tells three. So when he goes out with Becca, they seem to have such a nice date. They go on a catamaran. Becca says she feels like this is the safest, most comfortable relationship that she's ever had. 
which is crazy because he has two other girlfriends still. And if this is the safest, most comfortable relationship you've ever had, I really wonder what it was like to be dating Ross for seven years because Ross, her ex, shows up after their date, but we'll get to that in a minute. So she, when they're talking, she asks basically how soon after they get engaged, she should move to Scottsdale, Arizona. And right after, right before she was talking about that, she was talking about her relationship with Ross, which for the last three and a half years was long distance and one-sided, where she was always going to visit him and he was never really coming to see her. But within less than a minute, she asks Ari how soon she can move to Scottsdale. And it's like, girl, isn't that one-sided? Do you have to move to Scottsdale? And I understand that that maybe is one of Ari's non-negotiables, but what is he giving it up to be with Becca? That's what I want to know. However, as their date progresses, Ari seems to be falling more and more in love with Becca, and at one point even confesses to the camera, maybe there's a part of me that wants to end this now and propose here in the sand dunes. Wow. I kind of wish he did that so he wouldn't drag two other people on any longer. But alas, it continues, and the next day after being in the fantasy suite, Ross, Becca's ex, shows up. He said he just had found out that she was on the show, and that he had also just found out that this show is something where it could end up in marriage. Do you not understand the concept of The Bachelor? That alone is like a huge red flag and reason she should never be with him again. But besides that... He, instead of going to Becca, first goes to see Ari, says, you know, that proposal is mine to give. I love her and part of me thinks she loves me too. And, you know, I need to tell her all of this. And Ari said, you know, hey, just so you know, her and I are saying I love you. And this is her decision to make. But if at the end of it, she says goodbye, I ask you to respect our relationship moving forward. And he wonders if he ends up with Becca, is Ross a person that he's always going to have to deal with in his life? And, you know, Ari says, we're finally at a place where I can see this working for myself. Keyword, myself. And that shows that I think Ari is incredibly selfish. And a lot of statements he makes, I feel like he has to go back and restate them to include his partner. And it shouldn't be that way. So when Ross finally confronts Becca, she won't even let him in the door. They stand, they sit on the stairs and he's standing outside of her door. And she's like, I knew you were going to do this, which is so creepy. They had been broken up for a year and hadn't really been speaking. And he decides now that she's on a TV show where she could potentially get engaged that he is going to finally profess his feelings. Now, where were these feelings for that whole year that he claims to have been in love with her? And if you look on Twitter, Facebook, other social media, a lot of people seem to think Ross is romantic. I don't think this is romantic. I think this is creepy. People, a guy who you haven't talked to for like a year coming to track you down in rural Peru while you're on a dating show where you've professed your love to another man? Mm, doesn't sit right with me. So 
you know, she tells him basically get lost. Like, you know, you live your life in a movie and you think that it's going to end up like the notebook, but it's not. And we've changed so much and you don't know me anymore. And this wasn't healthy. And I can't go back to that. Good for you, Becca. So Becca and Ari are reunited. She apologizes to him for this, which I don't think she should have to do, but whatever. And they have the rose ceremony where we all know who he's going to you know, get rid of, likely Kendall, because he seems so enamored with both Lauren and Becca. So he is very kind, pulls Kendall aside, lets her go, and is really sweet to her. And she doesn't seem as upset with losing Ari. She seems more upset that she couldn't fall in love after 10 weeks. And let me tell you, Kendall, that is completely normal. And there is a place for you. And it is called Bachelor in Paradise. And we cannot wait for you to come. And then after that, there's the podcast universe. And we would love to hear about you and your life and your taxidermy on podcast and on social media. I have endless amount of capacity to learn more about Kendall. She's so interesting and bizarre and fun. And yes, maybe I'm treating her like the novelty that she doesn't want to be treated like in a relationship. But man, I am here for Kendall And I applaud how she behaved on this show, how eloquent she was, how she handled conflict. And I think her and her twin sister, Chloe, should be on Bachelor in Paradise this summer. So now gonna get into Vanderpump Rules. So on Vanderpump Rules this week, we are still at Rob's Lake House, and man, they are dragging on this vacation, which I swear was only two nights and three days, into some of the longest footage we've seen on this season. But it started out with a lot of laughs. Now, we should not be laughing here when Jax, who seems to cheat on everyone, with everyone, cheated death when he decides to jump in the lake at a very high altitude and swim after having gone on a run, done push-ups and other exercise, and is even warned by Rob, hey, you know, go really slow because you could really lose your breath and drown out there. And that's basically what starts to happen. When Jax gets tired and feels like he can't breathe, The lifeguard on duty isn't sure if he's serious, and I couldn't help but chuckle. But then I thought, wow, like he must really, really need rescuing because I cannot imagine Jax ever asking for help. So that was pretty crazy. And thank you to the producers of Vanderpump Rules for giving us Jax's life flashing before his eyes, six years of footage of him getting yelled at by girlfriends, lying, drinking, fighting, chunky sweaters, and apologizing for being an asshole, only to have it end with him holding on to a lifeguard and being brought back to shore. Wow. Now, Sheena made not the nicest comment about Jax kind of insinuating that Jax has gained some weight, is out of shape, and that's why he had a situation in the lake. But she did tweet later that she would like to apologize and shouldn't have made any comments about his body, knowing that they've both made comments about each other's bodies on the show and shouldn't have done it. But then she says, come to think of it, actually, I probably shouldn't have said a lot of things. 
And one of those things is, I love you. Because when she says that to Rob in the morning when they're getting up, he has no response. And she continues, you're like my favorite. And then he asks her a question about the damn dog. Oh my God, I've never seen something so obvious. He does not want to say, I love you. There are multiple times that she says it, and he's never said it back. Now, for a while, I was wondering if things were selectively edited so that it was hard to tell. Maybe the producers wanted to make it look like it was one-sided. But after watching this week's episode, it's very clear that Sheena is basically playing house with Rob, wants him to be her husband, has already named their future child, and is just ready to be super serious. And then Rob actually tells Tom Sandoval and Jax, two guys he's not the closest with, that he hasn't said, I love you. But he did get involved with Sheena right after breaking up with the Princess of Brunei. Dude, Why'd you leave the Princess of Brunei? If you were afraid of commitment with the Princess of Brunei, why the hell would you be able to commit to Sheena? Don't drag her on any longer. I kind of, it just nails on a chalkboard. It's cringeworthy every time she says something wonderful about him, and I've never heard him compliment her. Again, this could be selective editing, but, you know, they're no longer together in real life, and I think we all know why. So at some point, Kristen, who is still friends with Sheena, this was taped seven months ago, so they have had a falling out since then. But when she was still friends with Sheena, she was what I thought was a good friend and showed up at her apartment and she, you know, gave her a belated birthday present and said, you know, hey, just want you to know that Jax mentioned that when you guys all were in Big Bear, that Rob opened up to him about how he has not said, I love you. Sheena, of course, gets super defensive and says, eventually, you know, he doesn't have to say it because he shows it. So she's basically acknowledging the fact that her boyfriend never responds to I love you with I love you too. Ay, yay, yay. This is not going to end well. So she just brushes it all aside and continues to live in her bubble. Then we go back to the James Raquel Lala situation. So Raquel, who apparently has some inkling of a personality, haven't fully seen it yet, confronts Lala about the flirting that her and James are doing and says that it makes her uncomfortable, but she doesn't think it's coming from Lala. And Lala says, you know, you really have nothing to worry about. I would never do anything to disrespect my boyfriend. Now, <laughs> Brian Moylan, uh, my favorite recapper of reality TV for Vulture and also the ghost writer and co-author of Erica Jane's book, which is coming out in March, calls Raquel a Coachella flower crown that grew limbs. Wow. That is dark, but that is funny as hell. So at some point, James is talking directly to the camera, but also to Lala and basically says that getting a boyfriend, Lala getting a boyfriend made him jealous. So he had to find somebody. Now, if I was Raquel and watching this back, I would cringe. 
because it basically seems like he was in love with Lala, Lala was not in love with him, Lala found a boyfriend, and then James needed something to bang. So he decided to date Raquel, who doesn't seem to have a whole lot of personality, but is quite cute. So Lala eventually confronts James in the hot tub and tells him, you know, if you ever make me choose between, you know, like him, James, or her boyfriend, she will choose her boyfriend every time. And I don't think that James fully comprehends this. And so I am going to bet that he continues to treat Lala like crap, but also to disrespect his girlfriend Raquel by flirting with Lala and anything that has legs. And that includes Logan. (laughs) So one interesting thing about this episode is that when they're getting ready to leave, Sheena is making everyone clean and go through this checklist as if they're staying at an Airbnb. And I know that she says that it's Rob's house, but he rents it out on other weekends. Part of me wonders, like, is this somebody else's Airbnb rental? Like, for real. Like, did they just, where did they find this place? And when they're all cleaning and getting everything ready, why is Rob sleeping? It seems to me that it should be his job to make sure that everything is in place and also to help and lead the cleaning. It's just odd that he's sleeping and having Sheena do it. And she's only been to his like house like a couple times and it's his happy place. So he should keep it that way. It's not her happy place. It's not her house. And if he's so rich and so wonderful, why can't he hire someone to come clean the place for them? It's not like they were huge pigs, but it is a lot to expect people to do tons and tons of laundry and, you know, make everything spotless when the, you know, host is snoring in the next room. But that's just me. So we get to see Katie and Tom on a date, and they're super cute. They went to a Mexican restaurant, and Tom gets a mariachi band. And Katie wonders, you know, I never thought that when I took this job at Sir like eight or nine years ago that it would lead me to you, and that would lead to Tom Toms. I don't know. It was cute seeing them so sweet, but if this is all Katie has planned in life, then I think she needs to aim higher. Then, of course, there is a part the obligatory part in the episode where they show Stasi. And my favorite part of Stasi in this episode is how she's interviewing Lisa Vanderpump because she wants to know how did Lisa Vanderpump get Ken, Todd, who was a notorious playboy who was always running around with women to settle down with her, propose within six weeks and be married within three months. But the thing is, is that Ken had to do stuff to be with her as well. And the thing I'm learning and seeing, at least from reality shows, but also in real life, is that in order to make a relationship work, you have to have enough self-confidence and dignity to be able and willing to walk away from your partner if they treat you with disrespect. And that's what I've seen with Ken and Lisa. And that's what I've also seen, interestingly enough, with Leslie Murphy and Dean from Bachelor Winter Games, because she's like, I don't need you. I could walk away right now. And I think that's important to have the dignity to be able to walk away in a relationship, because Ken knows if he ever does anything, Lisa might leave him like she would leave him. 
And I think Stasi needs to have some of that attitude and self-respect. Stasi, like all of us, deserves happiness. And let me tell you, I do not see happiness in Patrick. But Stasi does have a new boyfriend, and she has showcased him on her um, podcast, and his name is Bo, and I highly recommend that you listen to Stasi's podcast, get introduced to her new boyfriend, who she was set up with by Kristen, who seems to be quite the matchmaker. Also, on March 2nd, Stasi's podcast with Lisa goes live. So while that podcast with Lisa was taped seven months ago, I think they waited until the episode aired to make it available. So you guys should definitely listen to that. Now, wanted to get a little bit into some of the gossip that's going on with current day pump rules people. So it sounds like pretty much all the women, aside from Brittany and Ariana are not really close with Sheena anymore. Even Lala had not had the greatest choice of words to say about Sheena, saying, you know, they're friends, but Sheena never really asks her how her day is or how she's doing. It's always about Sheena. Another thing I heard recently in an interview with Lala Kent is that she believes that Tupac took over her body when he died. Yes, that is right. Tupac took over her body and she got a tattoo of Thug Life, which was tattooed on the late great Tupac's body, on her ankle. That tattoo is even in her own handwriting and she calls it her prison stamp. Now, I don't want to get all serious and PC, but part of me wonders if Lala, who is, you know, so into this whole feminist movement, if anyone's ever talked to her about cultural appropriation, because my God, that girl is white and from Utah, and maybe it's time someone told her. But regardless, all I have to say is that I can still not get enough of Lala. She is crazy. She's off the wall. Yet when it comes down to it during the very dramatic scenes this season, she seems to be the only person making sense. So... Everyone's a little bit nuts, but I can't take my eyes off the screen when she is on. Her storyline is interesting. Everything that's going on in her life is interesting. And I'm really excited that she's finally talking to the media and giving interviews because last year she was so worried about her boyfriend, Randall Emmett, being ousted as her boyfriend that she lied and covered up and did whatever she could to keep her and his name out of the press. And it's just nice to see a more authentic Lala this season, even if she is a little bit off. I'm here for it. Now, didn't get a chance to cover Summer House or Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this episode, just because I've been traveling and this episode's already pretty long, but definitely we'll be back with Summer House and some Real Housewives of Beverly Hills next week when we look back at the end of Ari season, who he chose, the after the final rose, plus all of your favorite reality recaps and saltiness. So that concludes this week's episode of Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for joining. Be sure to subscribe and rate on iTunes and SoundCloud and to follow on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. 
See you next week. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.